The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. During the Crusades, chivalric knightly orders such as the Knights Templar and the Knights Hospitaller brought along monastic mediciners to treat the sick and wounded. These mediciners not only employed the leading cures of medieval Europe, but also learned new methods from the local folk healers and Arabic healing traditions they encountered on their journeys. Presenting a traditional cure-all or leech book of the Crusader physicians, our guest shares a comprehensive encyclopedia of the ailments the Crusaders would have encountered and the remedies their mediciners would have employed. He details recipes for many cures and a range of magical medical applications, such as charms, spells, enchantments, and amulets, used to address the new illnesses of strange and foreign lands. He includes a detailed and comprehensive herbal, listing all the plants and materials needed to make and administer the remedies of the cure-all. He also details his travels in the steps of the Crusader physicians throughout Poland, the Czech Republic, Malta, Morocco, and the island of Rhodes, where he met with healers still following this healing path who shared their practices with him. He reveals how the healers of the Crusades helped elevate Western medical knowledge through the integration of wisdom for the Middle Eastern counterparts. He shows how their legacy continues through the many effective remedies and healing modalities still in use today. You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, and more. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focused Life Force Energy, MMS, Rebounders, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Pure Organic Sulfur, flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And now, here's your host, Mel Hostelrick. John G. Hughes is part of a lineage of Druids that has been practicing for five generations in a remote area of Wales. He teaches the tradition in Ireland and gives workshops and seminars throughout Europe. He's the director of the Irish Center of Druidic Practices and the author of a Druid Handbook to the Spiritual Power of Plants and the Druidic Art of Divination. His latest book is titled The Healing Practices of the Knights Templar and the Hospitaller, which will be the focus of tonight's interview. And directly from Killarney, County Kerry, Ireland, I'd like to welcome John G. Used. Hello, John, and welcome to Veritas. Hello, Mel, and thank you so much for inviting me. It's been a bit of a difficult process to get here with our connectivity in rural Ireland, but thank you for your perseverance and for your team's dedication. Absolutely, and we are in the same destination today. That's what matters. You've been traveling a lot, and I'm glad to have you back home safely. We're, you were just on a plane a few minutes ago, so we really appreciate it. Uh, well, John, it's great to connect with you. I thoroughly enjoyed reading the book and look forward to sharing your wisdom with our audience. But what was your motivation in writing the healing practices of the Knights Templar and Hospitaller? I'm certain it must have taken a considerable amount of time and research. 
Well, Mel, it was a, a follow on, following on from my previous books, which mostly concern sort of herbal law and folk healing. Um, I've also had a lifelong interest in alchemy and metaphysics, uh, and particularly the confluence of magic and botanical healing, where the two come together, that, that very delicate borderline. Uh, and of course, the height of the alchemy trend was during the medieval period, which also is defined by the Crusades. So my main motivation really was to explore the way Western and Eastern healing traditions merged to form a new paradigm. That was really the basis for the healing traditions that we have today. So when the Knights Templar are mentioned in any topic, it brings all sorts of controversy. And for those who don't know, who were the Knights Templar and when and how did they come to be? Well, the Knights Templar were established in Jerusalem. They were a group of noblemen uh, who were in their own rights knights before they left Europe. Um, they were brought together in Europe. There's an awful lot of controversy about why they were formed and how they were formed. But we know it was in Jerusalem and their activities revolved around uh, the Temple Mount, uh, Solomon's Temple. And it was around about 1119 after the First Crusades. Uh, the real reason or the stated reason by the Pope for their establishment was to protect the travelers to the Holy Lands, the pilgrims, and, of course, the other Crusader knights. By that time, at the end of the First Crusades, uh, the, the Latin Crusaders had captured Jerusalem and it was under control of the, the first king of Jerusalem, uh, who, of course, was a, a Latin from a Latin source. Um, it, at the time, the, the, uh, the, the knights undertook all sorts of strange activities. And, of course, it's those activities and the Holy Grail, et cetera, et cetera, uh, that have really kept them prominent in history right up until the present day. Now, you said something interesting that caught my attention all of a sudden. You said the king of Jerusalem was of Atlantean source. Can you explain? Was of Latin source. Oh, I'm so sorry. All of a sudden... All of a sudden, I thought of Atlantis in my mind, and I'm thinking, that must be new to me, but that's okay. No, that, that would be a bit of a revelation, wouldn't <laughs> it? But uh, no, <laughs> I only mention the Latin source because he was uh, endorsed by the Pope at the time, and hopefully as we go on and, and delve a little deeper into this, you'll see that there was great problems between the popes and the rulers of Europe uh, at the time, a lot of conflict. So he was very much on the side of the uh, of the papal reign at the time. Correct me if I'm wrong, John, but the order was created to protect Europeans traveling to the Holy Land, among other duties. What did they learn from the Byzantium and the Arab people that made them acquire so much healing wisdom? Well, the Crusaders took with them a collection of medicinals along with a lot of other people, and they came into contact with the the 
Eastern uh, cultures, but they already had a well-established and sophisticated healing background. Uh, but they came up against a whole new plethora of ailments that they hadn't um, encountered before. I mean, if, if you imagine most of these healers would have been from a monastic background, they would have come from a rural uh, base, they would never have encountered even simple things like seasickness, which they encountered on the journey across the Mediterranean. Uh, so in response, they required a, a whole new collection of cures um, from the indigenous healers and, of course, a new uh, a palette of resources and techniques that the Eastern healers were well used to using at the time. But then they found themselves ill-equipped for the ailments of the Muslims, and they are Muslim Arabs and the Moors. What happened? Well, we're talking about a period, the early Middle Ages or the early medieval period, if you'd like to call it that, uh, that's become known as the Dark Ages in Europe, uh, typically regarded as running from the 6th century to the 10th century. Now, this coincided with the what's known as the Islamic Golden Age, a period of economic, cultural, scientific flourishing in Islamic history. Uh, and that tradition lasted generally from the 8th century to the 14th century. So they, they, they overlapped, and it was a time when the ancient Greco-Roman texts, the Aristotelian texts and such like, uh, were taken from the Western classical world to the Arab world, where they were translated and rewritten. And during the period of the Crusades, the Arab texts were again translated into Latin and copied in the monastic scriptoriums of Europe. Uh, I should say not always that accurately. Uh, the Western scribes had never heard of many of the strange commodities they were writing about, so they unashamedly substituted the odd and strange materials for more familiar botanicals and material medical that, that they would have known. So we frequently find misspellings, inaccurate translations, random substitutions, and pretty imaginative, imaginative additions to the text. Um, then these texts were expanded upon by the experience of the Crusader Medicinas and eventually reached the growing centers of learning in the new Europe of the Renaissance, uh, where, where they merged with the medical learning of the newly established medical schools in places like Palermo and elsewhere in Europe. So it, it, it was the beginning of a new age in medicine, one that we've all benefited benefited from since. So if, the, if this was during the Middle Ages or the Dark Ages, during the yeah. collapse of the Roman M, the Holy Empire, then yep. they abandoned all attempts at learning, intellectual progress, and any form of cohesive political development. If that's the case, or was the case, then how was information being disseminated? Well, if we take the British Isles, for example, as a very similar process unfolded across much of Western Europe, uh, the, the, the Roman Occupation in Britain lasted from AD around AD 40 to AD 400, so approximately 350 years. Now, the, the, the Romans arrived in Great Britain as pagans, like the Britons, uh, but they'd converted to Christianity during their, their stay in Britain and the rest of Europe. Um, 
they left and the local tribal chieftains hired Saxons and Anglo mercenaries from Northern Europe to fight on their behalf. Uh, and quite quickly, these Anglo-Saxons took over much of uh, Britain for themselves uh, and gained huge tracts of land in the process. So uh, the period that began with universal strife in the UK and into tribal fighting, um, but then the dispute settled and there was a period of relative calm. Now, Christianity took a firm hold, held in the arrival of the Dark Angels, uh, the Dark Ages, as you mentioned in Britain, uh, where only the Christian clergy were allowed any form of learning. And they took a controlling role in every level of the community, uh, from large conurbations to the smallest villages. And the folk healing actually became illegal, as were most other forms of healing and medicine in general, on the basis of the Christian creed that only God could cure through prayer and devotion, and that all other forms of healing or reparation were the work of the devil. So that meant that all forms of learning, particularly medical advancement, were put in put on hold, and in fact they became officially defined as heresy during that period. Um, so it it wasn't the greatest of environments for the dissemination of new learning, but you know it man it managed it all the same. Um, it, it, it's it's difficult to really define how it came about, but we owe a great deal to the monastic communities and, as I mentioned earlier, their scriptoriums for recording a lot of the medicine. Why don't you set the stage about this particular time in history? A lot of this so-called new medicine was considered, quote-unquote, inappropriate and irrelevant. Take us back in time to put things in context. Well, again, as I'd mentioned, it was a time when all forms of healing other than prayer and devotion to God was considered as heretical. Um, so the old folk cures, which were maintained by, I mean, we've got to say witches and sorcerers and the druids of the time in Great Britain, um, were suppressed. But it couldn't be done effectively, and I guess it was empirical proof when people prayed, people still died, uh, but often when they were given the old four cures, they, they recovered. Uh, so a strange time uh, when medicine was on that cusp between magic and botanical healing, um, very few uh, uh, remedies were given or prescribed without a corresponding spell or curse, depending on, on who it was. Uh, so there was as much emphasis on the spiritual element of healing as there was on the, the actual physical botanicals and the, the potions and medicines of the time. John, your writing style is so descriptive that I used to close my eyes every few paragraphs and, and really immerse myself into that era. But I want to paint a picture for the listeners. When we think of the Roman Empire, most people think of conquest, but they don't think of all the innovations brought by the Roman central government, social and cultural innovations that aided daily life, political debate and representation, roads. All that got lost and replaced with warmongering and bitter feuding. 
paint a picture of how everything declined at the time. Well, as I mentioned, when the Romans left, yeah, we did benefit throughout Europe from um, the Roman invasion and occupation. Uh, but when they left, uh, there was great upheaval. Many of the local societies were run by tribal chieftains still, and there was a, a lot of infighting and a great effort to get rid of the last few Romans as they left. You can imagine uh, having been in Great Britain and Europe for 400 years, they weren't that keen to just drop everything and leave. They built monumental buildings and, and sites and um, which are still there today to be seen. So to get rid of the Romans, the uh, the tribal chiefs hired uh, mercenaries, if you like, from northern Europe, from northern France and, and Bohemia uh, to fight on their behalf. But when the Romans left, we discovered that they discovered that uh, they were powerful enough to actually take over from the tribal leaders themselves. And it continued that way with lots of infighting and uh, a strange sort of Celtic Christianity, which was a mixture of paganism and Roman Catholicism. Uh, and it continued that way until 1066, when um, the last Norman conquest of, of Britain and William the Conqueror, I'm sure everyone's heard that story many times, um, which was the last foreign conquest of, of Great Britain. Now, when, when the Normans arrived uh, as, as a reward for their, uh, the, the various uh, aristocrats' efforts during the wars, uh, they were given great tracts of lands and castles throughout uh, Great Britain, uh, and, and they became the rulers of their areas, in some cases setting up their own laws and, and building their own towns, uh, certainly employing many of the, the indigenous folk on their farms and, and building new castles and fortifications. So it was a relatively peaceful time that followed this great upheaval uh, after the Romans left. And uh, you know, there was probably amongst these noblemen from Europe a, a feeling of discontent. They weren't natural farmers. They, they were the princes and and uh, sons of the, the French aristocracy and were used to a pretty active and exciting lifetime. So when the call to arms came at the Crusades, they were more than willing to uh, set off on new adventures and leave what I'm sure they must have thought of very boring farming and the administrations of small villages uh, to their sheriffs and uh, and lords that they left behind them while they went off on this great adventure, the Crusades. But it was... Uh almost the glue that kept everything together. The, you know, since the greatest stabilizing influence on the population was disappearing, meaning the Roman Catholic Church gave rise to Christendom, which was controlled by two groups. Which were these two groups, and did they really help the population? Well, it's difficult to say that, or to suggest that Britain was controlled by any particular group, if we are to, to, to history, um, because there was no central organization. I mean, even when the Romans were, were occupying Britain, they did it in specific areas and specific generals and, and 
people were given control of different areas. So there was still a large number of what you could only call diverse, sort of unattached societies. Uh, and although there was a theoretical central authority of the crown and the church, most communities still existed as autonomous societies with their own laws and feudal government structures. So while some regions became subject to the Norman kings, some still opposed them. And may- Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.